Water heaters are just plain dumb. They're designed to keep your water hot whether you need it or not. And that can mean lots of wasted energy. But there's a quick fix that's easy and inexpensive. Read how to install a water heater blanket when you hit moneypit.com. Just click on ideas and tips, then click repair and improve. And for answers to any home improvement or home repair questions, give us a call right now. 888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Forth the shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Reach out and touch the experts. We are here to help you. Would you, you didn't like that? <laughs> Just make sure you wash your hands first. I don't know. <laughs> Please Purell first. Then call us 1 888 Money Pit 888 You can already see this is where work and fun meet. So call us with your home improvement questions, even if you're in the middle of one. Even if you started a project and said, oh my God, I don't know what to do next, or you ran into the other. Uh, the unexpected defect in the wall. How or many times we get it? these two, the spouse disapproves of what's oh, yeah, yeah, going yeah. on. That's always, that's always a perfect one. Yeah. <laughs> he said, she said. We will mitigate that dispute and give you our expert opinion. And we don't play favorites. So not call all us the now. Time. One eight. Yes, we don't all the time. One eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. It's a whole new year. It's a whole new idea. Perhaps you're thinking about taking on some new things. Maybe making a few changes around the house is one of them. But don't bite off more than you can chew. We're going to have some advice today on how to learn to walk before you run through those home improvement projects. Yeah, and if you've got any questions about leaks or squeaks, you can call us right now and just about any time at one eight 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 Money Pit. And speaking of leaks, did you know that the first step and the hardest part about repairing a leaky roof can actually be finding where this leak is coming from? Coming up, we're going to have a great tip on how to find those tricky roofy leaks and get them fixed once and for all. That's a technical term, tricky roofy leaks. Tricky roofy leaks, exactly. <laughs> They're hard to find, and water can travel in those wall pockets everywhere. You they will can never get know. Very very tricky. And you know the old saying, they don't build them like they used to. Well, sometimes that could be a good thing, but later this hour, we're going to learn about what life was like when leaky roofs were the least of your problems. That's from a lot author. of L's, Tom. You like the way I did that? <laughs> when leaky roofs were the least of your problems? From an author who wrote about the so-called good old days of home construction. You know the good old days, like before we had the luxury of indoor plumbing. <laughs> We're going to find out how they used to build homes, and and perhaps there are a thing or two that we could learn about our homes today based on how they used to be constructed. And also this hour, we're going to be giving away a great prize. It's the Wobble Light. It's actually a floor lamp, and it's just like those Weeble toys we had when we were kids. This lamp is not going to fall over no matter how much you wobble it or knock into it. So call in now. 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Jeff's on the line from Montclair, New Jersey, wants to talk about finishing a basement. How can we help? Well, my wife and I bought a a home about a year ago with an unfinished basement. And uh, right now it's used primarily for storage. It's pretty dusty. We would like to seal the floor so we can use it for something other than storage. We'd like to have a place for our daughter to play and maybe some place for us to exercise. Are you seeing a lot of water down there? What makes you feel like it's not sealed and it's wet and gross? Uh, Well, it's not particularly wet. It's just very dusty down there. The the, the entire basement is unfinished. There's insulation in the walls and unfinished uh, ceiling over our heads. 
uh, where you can see the rafters. It's just very dusty. So you just want a way to seal the basement floor and create a finished space. Exactly. And I've already bought paint, but I don't know if I need to prime or etch or I just don't know what to do. Well, do you want to have a carpeted uh, surface down there, or do you want to have a, uh, a hard surface? I think a hard surface at this point. Yeah, good, because carpeted surfaces uh, can really be places for mold to grow in, in a place uh, like no. that. No. <laughs> What's that? I had an incident with carpeting in the basement, yes. um, Jeff, yes. and it's not a good idea. Not pretty, yeah. Um, a couple of things. First of all, uh, in terms of sealing it, you can do this. Uh, probably an epoxy paint is the least expensive and most effective way to do that. Two-part paint, mix the two parts together. You roll it out. You use. Uh, they usually have like some sort of color chips or something like that that you sprinkle in. It gives it a bit of texture, sort of hides the dirt. That's perfect for a workout room. If you want something a little more finished, you could consider either a laminate floor. Even a sheet vinyl. Yeah, well, sheet vinyl. But as far as laminate, same kind of laminate that countertops are made out of, but like about 20 to 30 times tougher. Or you could also consider, if you want something super nice, an engineered hardwood floor. Now, you can't use solid hardwood in a basement, but you can use engineered hardwood, which is sort of like fancy plywood. It's different layers. That... Mm -hmm. They're made to be structurally stable for a moist environment exactly. like a basement and directly on the subfloor. But a laminate flooring is a beautiful option because you can go with a variety of looks and a variety of price points. You know, you can go on the lower end of the spectrum or way up there high, depending on what your budget is. But you can have a beautiful wood look floor in the end. That's what we ended up doing in our basement, and it's gorgeous. Yeah, my, I guess my only thought is the, the, uh, the laminate tends to be much more pricey than just a simple paint coat. Well, it certainly oh, absolutely. will be. Yeah. So if we did low end, uh, maybe just cleaning that off thoroughly and then painting it and then touching it up if it chips, I suppose. Yeah, low end, I would recommend an epoxy paint. Quickcrete has one. Rust-Oleum makes one. They're all good. They're two-part mixes. You mix them together, and they work well. Those, If you were to go with an epoxy coating kit, it comes with everything in it. It comes with a cleaner. It comes with a primer. It comes with the paint, and it comes with the top coat. It's all together in a box. As for your ceiling, if you're looking to finish up the ceiling, you can easily install a drop ceiling, and those grids are quite simple to install with a laser level. All you need to do is follow a straight line, and then you just drop everything in. All right, Jeff, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Talking heating with Susan in Illinois. What's going on? Oh, I was wondering if you could help me with some baseboard heaters that I don't know what to do with, and uh, they're old, and I don't know what to replace them with or whether I should go back to uh, keeping new baseboard heaters. Okay. What kind do you have now? Boy, they're only about eight inches high, and they only have very small vents pushing the air out. How old is your home? Uh, these heaters were put in back in 1978 when the building was new. It sounds like they're aluminum. Do they make like a tinny sound? Oh, yes, they do. Yeah, those are aluminum. They're not cast iron. We're going to say if you had cast iron, not to replace them. This is an all-electric building, oh. and uh, I'd give anything for, uh, you know, a furnace or the uh, radiators, <laughs> but uh, these heaters... Um, and your electric bills must be astronomical. Please don't even mention that. They're going up 24%. So. Sore subject. <laughs> yeah. Is it possible for you, Susan, to consider a fossil fuel? Is it, you know, propane Oil, gas? I mean, uh, No, that is not allowed in the building. And I did check on an electric furnace, but uh, that's going to cost $5,000, and it's going to take almost 
all of my uh, seven-foot ceiling space away for duct work. Well, it sounds to me like you're pretty much stuck with uh, electric radiators. The only thing that we can suggest is if uh, is to to try to make your home as warm as possible. You might want to be looking at insulation, perhaps new windows. You could consider a different type of radiator, or you could consider additional radiators on even on interior walls of the room. Are these on thermostats, so that they're controlled by wall thermostats? Uh, they're controlled by wall thermostats, but even when I turn the thermostats up to eighty degrees. Uh, the temperature only gets up to 68 in here. And All right, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like these, these radiators are working properly. Um, it, it sounds like you, it might be time for new ones. You know, if uh, considering these things are 30 years old, if uh, these things, uh, new ones would actually be more efficient in pushing out the air. The fin design might be a little bit more efficient in terms of moving the air through. I've heard of something. I believe it's a Reichert fan that has the heating. Yeah, a Reichert room conditioner. Yeah, that is a good option. Um, Basically, it's a ceiling fan that heats, and it works very well. You might want to put up a very heavy drapery in the colder months. Get something that is lined and interlined, maybe even like a heavy cotton-based velvet or chenille, just to keep that drafty air away from the heater. Would the honeycomb shades help make a difference? I've heard those are supposed to do something, and I don't see how. But Well, they help because they put a pocket of air, you know, in between the surface of the window and in the room. Yeah, Levelor makes a product called a cellular shade, which is just like that. It's a honeycomb structure. They're very beautiful. But then I would still do a heavy drape over it. I want to tell you how much I appreciate this. I think you two are the best best people on giving advice over the callers. I certainly appreciate your uh, helping me out with all of my problems. <laughs> Our pleasure. Thank you ever so much. Thanks for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit 888-666-3974. Hey, Money Pit listeners, can't decide which home improvement project to tackle first? Well, that's why we're here to help you sort it all out. So call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, do you have big plans for your home this year? Well, before you start your do-it-yourself dream project, find out what you can learn from a baby. You might be surprised. That's next. 888-MONEYPIT. Give your home an attraction that reaches all the way to the curb at a Classic Craft fiberglass entryway from Thermatrue. Classic Craft, a stunning AccuGrain technology, captures all the beauty and luxury of premium hardwood, but won't split, crack, or rot. Add a sparkling custom touch with decorative glass door tiles, side lights, and transom, too. When you do, studies show your home's perceived value rises as much as 6%. Let the curb appeal of a classic craft entryway enhance your home's look and value. Visit Thermatrue.com. Mold is in your house. Chances are it's breeding behind your walls. In fact, it's been estimated that 70% of all homes could have mold in their wall cavities, particularly when moisture is present. Fortunately, there's an ingenious new way to fight the problem. You see, until now, drywall had paper on both sides, and mold eats paper. Which is why more people are insisting on a new paperless drywall called Dens Armor from Georgia Pacific. 
Unlike conventional paper face drywall, Den's armor has glass mat facings on both sides, and no paper on the surface means one less place for mold to get started. It's that simple and that revolutionary. If you are building or remodeling, stop feeding mold by using Den's armor. To find out more, go to stopfeedingmold.com or ask about it at your local building supply retailer. Table saw. 18 volt drill driver. 8 piece combo kit. You don't have to just wish you had the power tools you really want. With Ryobi, you can actually afford them. Ryobi Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. And they sound really good, too. Ryobi. Exclusively at the Home Depot. So AARP has a series of tips for homeowners who want to improve their homes, make them safer and more comfortable. And I found these tips on their website, aarp.org slash universal home. In the bathroom alone, I widened the door, installed brighter light bulbs, and put non-slip surfacing on the floor tiles. Instead of wishing my house had improvements, I'm making them. To bring comfort, safety, and a future to any home, visit us online at aarp.org slash universal home. AOL's new real estate site has answers for just about everything a homeowner, buyer, seller, or renter may have. In fact, it's like they're reading your mind. Hello? Hello? Who said that? Me, down here. I'm AOL Real Estate. Got any questions about your house? Um, well, I feel a little strange talking to a website, but I do have a question about wooden siding. I live near a wooded area, and sometimes... Aluminum pie pans. I beg your pardon? Aluminum pie pans. Hang them from your eaves. Scares the bejeevers out of them woodpeckers. Wow, that's what I was thinking. Okay, I have a 60s-style bungalow, and every once in a while... Four-inch retro-style moisture-proof tile in your bath. Lose that wet dog smell. That was weird. Okay, concrete driveway and... Vapor permeable sealer. Makes spills yesterday. Pink paint. Lead composition. Stabilize with 3-in-1 primer. Paint over with an Aegean blue to match your eyes. I think I love you. AOL Real Estate. So smart, it's amazing. Go to realestate.aol.com to see our own answer man, Tom Kreitler, in action. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, making good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Are you a do-it-yourselfer? Are you a do-it-to-yourselfer? <laughs> well, regardless, if you're the former, here's how to make sure you don't become the latter. I have to tell you, I always have a wound, like, on my left hand by my thumb or, like, in the webbing between my thumb and my pointer right. finger from, like, mishammering, the screw gun jumping off of the nail head, you know, something like that. Listen, no project is complete unless it includes a bit of sweat, blood, and tears. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> that's, a, that's what we mean when you say put a little of yourself into the project, right? <laughs> Well, if you want to avoid home improvement mistakes, you need to make sure the projects that you choose are realistic. You need to make sure that you're working within your ability. Start with simple repair or small paint jobs, for example. You know, not uh, not too difficult, hard to screw up, and if you do, easy to fix. <laughs> easy to fix. 
Take baby steps. Learn that from a baby. You'll leave yourself some learning room. You'll be able to successfully complete projects and feel very well rewarded. You need to also thoroughly research each project before you start. Now, it's very easy to do that at MoneyPit.com. You can learn something, some small trick of the trade, something that you did not know before beginning even the simplest of projects by logging on to our website at MoneyPit.com. There's over a 1,000 pages of content there, easily searchable, easily indexable, and ready for you to learn from at MoneyPit.com. For example, do you know how to double the life of your outside paint projects? There's a tip about just that at MoneyPit.com. And while you're at the fantastic website, MoneyPit.com, you can sign up for our free weekly e-newsletter. In our very next issue, we're going to have three projects that you should probably not tackle by yourself, especially if you're just starting out in the home improvement area. And if you're not an e-newsletter subscriber, well, why not? Our famous e-newsletter comes right to your inbox every single Friday, and it's full of tons of great information, tips, and even advice. We're even going to answer one of your email questions each week, so you never know if yours could be in there. So sign up now at moneypit.com. Then pick up the phone and call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. One car to our show today wins the Wobble Light Junior worth 60 bucks. It is a great work or outdoor light. Yeah, and it's got a weight in the base, so if you bump into it or knock it over or accidentally trip into it, it's going to just wobble around but not fall down, just like your favorite kid's toy. It's really cool and only one person's going to get it this hour, so call 888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's next? Listening from Manhattan, we've got Michael who wants to talk tiling. What can we do for you? I just bought a place in uh, Manhattan here, and uh, I'm trying to redo the bathroom. And uh, I had a couple questions for you as far as what tiles to use and what okay. color schemes. Obviously, it's a small bathroom. It's a Manhattan place, and <laughs> I think it's a 5 by 7 Oh, that is small. Do you have a window? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> Do you have uh, early 60s avocado now? or? <laughs> uh, well, it's like that cottage cheese ceiling, which oh, I tried to take ceiling. off myself. Okay. It's a pain in the neck. Yeah. Did you get the ceiling off or no? I did get the ceiling off, but it's quite porous, and I was going to do it in the rest of the apartment, but it's going to take way too long and way too many bloody fingers. <laughs> Now, when you when you stripped off that textured ceiling, did you use uh, did you wet it down first and scrape it off? I or did what? not. That's well, that, the trick. See, that, yeah, that's that'll be easier. The next time you want to tackle removing that textured stuff, um, get some water and a spray bottle. And the pump up garden bottles, I'd like to use to apply pesticide. Of course, make sure you have a clean one and dampen it down. And then take like a spackle knife and work to sort of like scrape a wide it off. metal very, spackle yeah, knife. Exactly. Very very uh, slowly, and you'll find that it'll come off. And when it's all done, um, what you want to do is make sure that you prime that surface. I would recommend an oil-based primer. And then when you paint it, make sure you use a flat paint. Okay. Because if you use anything with a sheen whatsoever... You're going to notice any imperfections. Yeah, Anytime it, you hit the ceiling with a spackle knife and made a dent, which you know is going to happen. So use a flat paint. And you can use a latex paint as the top coat. Now, we've totally strayed from your tile question. All right. <laughs> but go right tile. ahead. Tile. Uh, oh, okay. So I was tr looking to buy tiles. And... Um, being that it's a small bathroom, is colored tile okay, or should I stay with uh, white tile? Or... Are you talking the floor or the walls? Both. Hmm. I think if you go with lighter color on the walls, it's going to seem bigger. But that doesn't mean that you have to put tile from floor to ceiling. You can put tile almost as like a wainscoting to about, you know, waist or chest height, depending on what you like. Right. And depending on how much splashing you think is going to anticipate in there. Um you really can go either way. You can just paint above the tile. You can tile everything. I say go for a smaller tile. I wouldn't do something super duper big. Even mosaics are beautiful. And if you chose to do sort of a run from the floor to the ceiling where the mosaic sort of feathers out, and these would be the one inch by one inch really small ones, 
which are really easy to apply because they come on 12 by 12 sheets. On some websites, you can custom color blend. So you can even do a gradient where you start off heavily saturated on the lower part of the wall. And then as you go towards the ceiling, it lightens up and becomes almost white or a very pale color, which could make the room seem really tall. And that could just be one wall. That could be in the shower. That could be behind the sinks and then do everything else really simple. So is it okay to mix and match like that? I think absolutely. And now what about for the floors? Do you use separate tiles? I'm totally new at it. I'm looking at all these different tiles, and I don't know what's for the floor, what's for the ceiling, what's, I mean, what's for the floor, what's for the walls. Well, one of the things you need to be concerned about is the slip rating on the tile. There are tiles that are meant for walls, and there are tiles that are meant for floors. And if you use a wall tile on the floor, it could be very slippy and be very dangerous. Even though your bathroom's small, you're going to fall down in it. Michael, when you choose the floor tile, you want to make sure that you're using a tile that has that, is, that has a slip resistance to it. There are differences between floor tiles and wall tiles. And floor tiles basically have a higher coefficient of friction. There's a rating uh, that's done by the, the Porcelain Enamel Institute. It's called the PEI rating. It goes from zero to three. You want to make sure that you use a tile that has a high slip resistance so that you don't you know, break your neck when the floor gets wet. So in choosing the type of tile, there's, there's clearly a structural difference. Now, in terms of the color, Leslie, you think it's best to go dark with the floor and dark grout and lighten up the walls in a small bath and keep a light ceiling. That's probably going to make it look the biggest it could possibly look. And it'll probably be the easiest as far as maintenance, because even if you go with a light color tile and a light color grout, you're going to deal with cleaning a lot. So whatever you choose, make sure you seal that grout once you're done. This way you don't have to worry about too much discoloration. And, and what about for size? Of the, like I saw ones that were uh, a square foot. Is that too big for... Uh... Uh, definitely. If you use a very wide tile like that, that's going to make the place look smaller. I, because I would... you're only going to get like four in there. Okay. Yeah. And also, if the, if the room I've seen in small bathrooms, it, especially in the city, if they're slightly out of square, because nothing is really perfectly square, it really shows up if you have a tile that goes, like, say, from six inches at one end of the bathroom to seven inches at the end, because something is, is out of square. It really looks odd. So a small tile is probably best for a small bathroom. You can even use a laminate flooring option, which could look like wood or it could look like a tile. So if you wanted to do a little bit more of a spa or a hotel look, which is very chic in Manhattan, you can do almost a dark wood look laminate. All right. And also there was the little um, the little tiny tiles which are like quarter shaped. I don't know they're like hexagons. Is mm-hmm. that that's okay in a small bathroom as yeah, well. Those are mosaics, and, and those are fine because although they come in big sheets, mm-hmm. they're actually it's easier to install that way. They're actually very small tiles, and when they're all completely installed, you're not going to see the seams. No, and they would look really cute in there. They would. All right, there you go, Michael. Lots of options. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Well, most of you listening right now are probably constantly in the process of updating and changing your house, which, of course, is why the show is aptly named The Money Pit. But think about it. Think about how far we've really come with home construction. Yeah, that's true. Imagine what it was like to live in a home in the 17 or even the 1800s. You know, no indoor plumbing, the thing you've grown to love so much, or sanitation or pest control. Um, You know, I don't even know if I want to imagine what that might actually be like. (laughs) Well, up next, we're going to talk to somebody who has not only imagined Imagined it. He's thoroughly researched it and even written a book on it. So stick around. You live in a money pit. Money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatru, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Choose the brand more building professionals prefer and add up to $24,000 to the perceived value of your home. For more information, visit thermatrue.com. 
Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. It's the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show because you can't watch television while you're doing home improvements. Or at least (laughs) you shouldn't because you need to pay attention to what you're doing. And where your fingers are. And we and try right, take inventory before <laughs> the project, compare it to the numbers at the end of the project. If there's any difference in the balance sheet, you know, you might have some blood. <laughs> Look on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you think you have it rough taking care of your money pit right now, think about the days before things like indoor plumbing and pest control. What was it like before sprawling McMansions when the extended family all lived together in a very small house, perhaps with even a chamber pot and no running water? Yuck. Well, our next guest has studied how we lived extensively and writes about it in his book called Where We Lived, Discovering the Places We Once Called Home. Jack Larkin is with us today, so welcome, Jack. Hi, how you doing? Great, thanks. So tell us, how shocked do you think that home dwellers of, say, even 150 years ago would be and how they would react to our homes today and what we complain about? Well, I think most of them would be completely astonished uh, by the uh, technology that we've uh, been able to apply to making the basic processes of living uh, so much uh, so much simpler and so much easier for us. Uh, for them, everything like that was just uh, a question of, uh, of incredibly hard work or endurance of conditions that we only experience maybe when we're uh, camping out in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, we were we're like so inconvenienced during a power failure. Right, right. Well, let's talk about the early American home. What were the general living conditions like sort of in terms of sanitation, pest control, plumbing, you know, things that we take so for granted today? Sure. Well, I mean, we can we can start with crowding. Uh, you know, the uh, average average houses in, in in early America were actually uh, were actually very small. Sometimes uh, an awful lot of people lived in one room houses, two room houses, houses of only three or four or five hundred square feet. And how many people would occupy that well, space? Well, there could because families, of course, were much larger uh, back then. Well, you needed you them you, to work the farm. Yeah, you could easily. <laughs> well, and then birth rate was just high, so you could easily have seven, eight, nine, ten people. In a in a very in a very small house at a given at a given time, uh, you know, much much uh, houses were much smaller and families were much bigger. So people had to learn to navigate in crowded conditions. As far as plumbing went, well, there really wasn't any plumbing uh, until uh, <laughs> plumbing was uh, your brother John bringing back a bucket of water. Yeah, that was that was that. It was going out to uh, going out to the pump or to the well to wash. Uh, most people didn't have the facilities really for bathing much more than their uh, their hands and their feet and their face and their neck, and uh, it basically meant using the privy and the uh, the privy building outside the house and the and the uh, the outhouse and the and the chamber pot uh, when you were when you were inside and uh, trying to keep all that clean, which uh, <laughs> took a lot of work. Now, Jack, I have to ask you: Was the outhouse considered a luxury item back then? Well, most people had outhouses uh, in certainly, certainly in the north. Now, in the south, where where the climate was was uh, more salubrious most of the time, uh, there were a fair number of houses, especially houses of relatively poor folks, that probably just had a little path off into the next clearing, a little uh, little patch of woods. What about windows and screens? When did we even see the appearance of windows, and then the smartness to you know create a bug barrier? Yeah, well, there there were windows were. Uh, you know, most most everyone had some kind of windows to let light in, and and most people, uh, after the very early 1600s, had some kind of window glass in their windows. But a lot of houses only had you know had a couple or three or four windows, uh, and glass was fairly expensive at first. Got a little cheaper later on, and people had bigger windows. But the window screens were were really pretty rare, and so what. Uh, 
people did. Housewives did. They just lived with lived, lived with flies and uh, flies and bugs of all kinds. So fly specks on the food, fly specks on the napkins, on the tablecloth, on the walls. Were so there was really no measurable form of, of pest control. Were there sort of the uh, home remedies to try to yeah, keep the insects? Yeah, it was chewing down? your broom at them. Yeah, well, you could shake your broom at them. There were, uh, you know, a few people were trying things like like fly paper and fly traps. People sometimes sprinkled. Uh, you know, strong uh, spices that they hope would keep ants ants away. None of them worked. Uh, none of them really worked terribly well. If you wanted to get away from mosquitoes, you could you could sort of cover your bed with kind of light fabric, kind of mosquito netting. We're talking to Jack Larkin. He's the author of Where We Live: Discovering the Places We Once Called Home. Jack, you're a museum scholar. You're a historian. You work uh, at Old Bridge, Old Sturbridge Village in which Sturbridge, I've been Massachusetts, to. which yeah. is a fabulous uh, visit back into history. If you've uh, if you've never been there, I would highly recommend a, a trip to there. Let's talk about uh, one of the things about Sturbridge is it's so accurate. Everything there is so realistic as to the way it was when the village was built. Let's talk about um, furniture inside homes. I understand that there's an interesting story between uh, about the evolution of beds. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, at, at first, an awful lot of people would, uh, you, you might only have one real bed in the house, and everyone else is kind of sleeping on small straw pallets. <laughs> Actually, if you look at the very poorest houses, you'll see people with nothing that we would uh, really, really talk about as a real bed. The bed itself has a kind of interesting evolution, because what people really wanted in the early, early America was what's called the hung bed, a bed, you know, you've seen those beds with curtains all around. And those curtains, those curtains really had two, maybe three real important functions. One was to show that you were well off enough that you could have all these bed hangings, you could afford all this cloth. One was to keep yourself warm, after all, in the north at least, after all, houses got pretty cold in the wintertime, you didn't keep the fire, you kept the fire pretty well banked at night. And the third was for some kind of privacy. You can imagine a married couple looking for some kind of privacy if they're in a one-room house. <laughs> yeah, with seven nine or eight, people. Seven or eight other people. <laughs> and so the curtains come in very handy for that as well. You know what amazes you much, the most about, uh, about the, the homes, the way you describe them with uh, these very, very large families moving inside them? You know, today we've got, like, what, a 50% divorce rate <laughs> back oh, then? Oh, sure. It yeah. was unheard yeah. of. Yeah, no, no, very little divorce back then. You needed to decree at the legislature most of the time to get a well, divorce. Well, you, you, needed, you needed all those people to create heat. What, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's probably true as well. That would have worked uh, to some extent. <laughs> Interesting book. Jack Larkin, author of Where We Live, Discovering the Places We Once Called Home. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. If you want more information about Jack and his book, you can check out Taunton.com. All right. Well, the houses in Jack's book certainly had leaky roofs, but your house does not have to have one. In fact, roof leaks, they can ruin a home quickly. So finding them and fixing them fast is critical. Up next, we're going to have some do-it-yourself tricks to help you find and fix leaks before they cause damage to your home. So stay with us. Money Pit! Is dryness a problem in your home? Especially in winter months, dry air can make skin itchy. Make your throat and nose dry. I can't talk! And don't forget about static shock. It also causes walls, hardwood floors, and home furnishings to become dry and cracked. Put an end to dry air problems with an April Air Automatic Humidifier, the best cure for indoor air dryness. Never too dry, never too moist. Just the optimum amount of humidity based on outdoor temperatures. Protect your health, your comfort, and your furnishings by putting an end to dry air with whole home humidification from April Air. Now doesn't that feel better? (sighs) April Air, fresh ideas for indoor air.
I want to keep my home for as long as I can because there are a lot of memories here. I read a little bit about making my house more comfortable and wanted to make my mom's house safer too. AARP told me about making mom's bedroom door wider and taping down her floor rugs. And I added handrails to our staircases. It was all simple and inexpensive thanks to AARP's tips. Now our homes fit our lifestyles and are ready for years to come. To bring comfort, safety, and a future to any home, visit us online at aarp.org universalhome. Somewhere, a guy is tossing his golf clubs into the water. But you, you'd rather build, say, a burled maple coffee table. RYOBI Woodworking Tools let you do it. RYOBI gives you the power and precision you need to succeed at prices that help you get going. Of course, there's still some equipment involved, but it's power tools. And you don't have to wear those funny clothes to use them. RYOBI Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. RYOBI, exclusively at the Home Depot. That's just beautiful. When it's time to choose a new entryway for your home, choose the brand more building professionals prefer, Thermatrue Doors. Thermatrue pioneered the fiberglass door. Today, Thermatrue Doors come in more styles and colors than any other brand. Classic Craft represents Thermatrue's premium collection. Fiber Classic is Thermatrue's original wood grain fiberglass door. Or choose Smooth Star Fiberglass for the look of smooth painted wood. But no matter which Thermatrue entryway you select, you've chosen the most preferred name in the business. Visit Thermatrue.com. AOL's new real estate site has answers for just about everything a homeowner, buyer, seller, or renter may have. In fact, it's like they're reading your mind. Hello? Hello? Who said that? Me, down here. I'm AOL Real Estate. Got any questions about your house? Um, well, I feel a little strange talking to a website, but I do have a question about wooden siding. I live near a wooded area, and sometimes... Aluminum pie pans. I beg your pardon? Aluminum pie pans. Hang them from your eaves. Scares the bejeevers out of them woodpeckers. Wow, that's what I was thinking. Okay, I have a 60s-style bungalow, and every once in a while... Four-inch retro-style moisture-proof tile in your bath. Lose that wet dog smell. That was weird. Okay, concrete driveway and... Vapor permeable sealer. Makes spills yesterday. Pink paint. Lead composition. Stabilize with 3-in-1 primer. Paint over with an Aegean blue to match your eyes. I think I love you. AOL Real Estate. So smart, it's amazing. Go to realestate.aol.com to see our own answer man, Tom Kreitler, in action. portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by RYOBI, manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI Power Tools, pro features, affordable price. Available exclusively at the Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Call us right now, especially if you've ever had a roof leak, because you know how quickly that kind of a leak can damage a house. If you want to fix that leak before it becomes a problem, here's what you need to know. First of all, when hiring a licensed contractor to do this job, the smart choice might be a roof inspection. You can do it yourself or you can hire a pro. If you want to do it yourself, here's what you need to know. 
You can start on firm ground and examine the roof with a pair of binoculars. It's a lot safer than walking on the roof. Go around, very careful, look at the whole roof surface, especially look at the areas where there's any penetration of the roof surface. For example, if there's a spot where a plumbing vent comes through or where the chimney comes through, if you see loose, cracked shingles in that area, it's most likely to be an area that could leak. Now, for the next part of this, you need to go up on the roof. It can be dangerous, so if you are inexperienced or uncomfortable doing this for any reason, don't do it. Get a pro to do it. Get someone that's more comfortable with that spot to do it. It's really a two-person job. Here's how you do it. You take a spray nozzle and a hose and a ladder and a flashlight and a helper. Start with... And these are a lot of things to remember. So folks, if you're interested in learning about this stuff, you can also go to moneypit.com and get transcripts of the show. So you'll get exactly all these things that you need. So don't run and get a pen and paper. Yeah, especially while you're driving. Exactly. (laughs) But here's what you need to do. You start with one person on the roof with the hose while the other's in the attic with the flashlight. Up on the roof, you can use sort of a low-pressure water flow to let the water wash down the roof. You want to work it about five feet at a time, work in the area of the leak where you suspect the leak, and then slowly move the hose across the roof until the leak reveals itself. Now, the person in the attic may not find the leak exactly where you think it's happening because very often water will come in and it will hug the underside of the rafter. And I've seen water run 20 or 30 feet from rafter to rafter to rafter or different part of the roof structure and then show up where you see it in your ceiling. But if you follow it while you're up in that attic with a flashlight and the water flowing on top, that's the easiest way to find it because you're only kind of working one section of the roof at a time. Yeah, it might be a good time for walkie-talkies for you and your friend, which everybody loves to play games with those. And you want to make sure that you work your way from the lowest section of the roof to the highest. You don't want to blast any water under the shingles because that might actually cause leaks and damage and cause leaks you don't even want. And also remember not to stand on any of the wet parts so you don't slip. And remember, the person in the attic should use the flashlights to inspect everything. And if you see a leak, even if it's a small one, fix it immediately. And you know what? While you're there, it also could be a good time to consider upgrading your roof's protection. Absolutely. And if you're going to repair or replace your roof, be sure you tell your roofer to use good quality waterproofing roofing materials. For example, we would recommend Grace TriFlex 30 and Grace Ice and Water Shield. These are two products that are part of a roofing system. You don't want to use tar paper. It can cause a lot of leaks. Ice and Water Shield prevents those ice dams. They're both, they both go under the roof surface. They're made by Grace. It's a good quality company. I think their website is graceathome.com. And this is the way that you build a roof once, you build it right, and you don't have to worry about it leaking again. All right, folks, we've got some good news for you out there. You can now have Tom and I in your pocket. You don't need a super huge pocket. You just need an MP3 player. That's right. The Money Pit is portable, so you can help yourself to our entire library of Money Pit podcasts. You can even search by topic. Just go to moneypit.com, and best of all, they are totally free. Call us right now if you have a home improvement question, one eight 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 Money Pit. We'll give you the two-for-one special. First of all, we'll answer your question, and we'll throw your name in the hat for a great gift because this hour we're giving away the Wobble Light Junior worth 60 bucks. It's a pretty cool light because it's got a weight in the base so you can knock it over but it'll just pop right back up. It's very stubborn that way and it'll help you light your way through those home improvement projects. Call us now 1-888-MONEYPIT. Leslie, who's next? Linda in Tennessee is thinking of remodeling. How can we help you? I have a um, 1988 model mobile home that I bought last year. I'm an okay. over-the-road truck driver so I don't get to spend much time at home. I'm doing the maintenance required to keep it up, but I'm wondering, now mobile homes, I know they don't hold the value like a regular house does, but it would, would it still be worthwhile to do some renovations and, and change things around, or with that kind of a setup, would it be better to just do the maintenance and then after a few years get a new one? 
Oh, I don't know, Linda. I mean, with all those hours you're spending on the road, I think you want that place to be as uh, comfortable as you can possibly make it. So while I wouldn't spend a lot of money on remodeling, I certainly would not hesitate to put a new kitchen or bathroom in that space. Change the flooring, new paint. Why not freshen up? It's your space now. Ooh, that's what I want to do. Well, we knew that. That's why we're we're giving (laughs) you our blessings. Oh, then I will. Then I definitely will. All right, Linda, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Coming up, find out why carpets are a bad idea in your garage and some better flooring options for making better use of your garage space. You live in a money pit. Money pit. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high-efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to aprilair.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Let us help make your home better. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. You can also log on to our website at moneypit.com and shoot us an email by clicking on Ask Tom and Leslie. Let's jump right into that email bag. We've got this one from Ed in Donnellan, Florida. Ed says, I've got a two-car garage, which is carpeted. I'm looking to replace the carpeting with ceramic tiles. That must be the ultimate luxury, a carpeted garage. <laughs> or it's probably really dirty and stinky. <laughs> yeah, kind of unusual. Can I do this job myself? What should I do to prepare? I'll be parking a vehicle there in the garage. Uh, not going to be living in it, obviously. I live in Florida. I'm not worried about freezing. Uh, what can I do? Uh, should a particular quality of tile be used? Please advise me of a procedure for installation. I don't know about the tile in the garage. What do you think? I'm not sure. All right, Ed. Assuming that the floor, your structure, once you pull up that carpet and get any sort of you know foam that's underneath there and any of those metal tack strips, get all of that out of there. Now, assuming that the substructure, your cement or concrete floor, is in good condition, you would want to put down a mud base and then use a ceramic tile, probably a larger one, like a 16 or a 20-inch square. And you can put that right on there. But if there's any movement in that underfloor and things start to shift a little, when you park a car on there, those tiles might crack. You're going to see grout lines cracking. Things might get pretty hairy. So if you're feeling like things are in good shape, I say go for it. Or there's a couple of other options. You can use an epoxy sealer on a concrete floor, which is basically a series of steps which gets a really super hard epoxy coating, which doesn't keep stains. It looks good. It comes in nice colors. That's an option. Or you can do something called acid staining, where you do a finish technique to concrete. You can buy different kits online. Depending on the coloration that you use, it comes out in different styles and colors, and you can do a blend of colors. That's called acid staining. Or you can get tiles. There's something called dino tiles, which are these plastic tiles that lock together. And those are great. They can withstand the car's weight. You can even get those rubber tiles that look like puzzle pieces. So lots of options for your floor. Don't think ceramic's the only way to go. All right, let's go to this email from Joe in Staten Island. Should I insulate my attic floor even though the attic ceiling is insulated and drywalled above it? Um, If your attic ceiling is finished, Joe, then that becomes the end of the weatherproofing of the inside of your house. So you don't want to insulate the floor of the attic because I'm presuming you have a finished attic here. If you did insulate the floor of the attic, as long as you had a heat source up there and you had an air conditioning source, it would probably work. But generally, you only want to insulate the uppermost layer. 
Well, they're plentiful, they're pretty, and they're free. In today's edition of Leslie's Last Word, you've got the lowdown on where to find some natural fire starters for your fireplace. That's right. All right. You can buy those fire starters, but you don't have to. You might like them because they crackle and they change colors, but they can be pricey and you go through them pretty quickly. Well, dried out pine cones can make a great natural fire starter for your fireplace or even your wood-burning stove. If you're feeling creative, folks, you can also dip them in wax. You know, melted candle wax is perfect. Perfect, and it's a great way to use up all those little nubs of candles you've got lying around the house because you know you stick them in a drawer or your wife does or somebody you know does. And there they are, so you can gather them up. If you want to melt them, make sure you use a double boil method to uh, melt the wax. You never, ever want to put the, the wax in a pot right directly on a flame because it can burn and it can get really hot. So always use the double boil method. And it's best to just buy an inexpensive pot to use strictly for wax because, believe me, it's a pain to clean. Then you can roll around the pine cones in there, and once they're wax hardens up again your pine cone is going to be a great fire starter it's going to keep your fire going and it's going to make your house smell so wonderful so enjoy it and use mother nature and the next time you try to use that same pot to cook your soup it's going to be really funky don't that's why you buy an inexpensive one (laughs) thank you so much for spending this hour with us coming up next week speaking of fires we're going to have some tips on how to clean those dirty fireplace screens i'm tom kreitler and i'm leslie segretti remember you can do it yourself but you don't have to do it alone Hey, 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 hey.